0: Welcome to the show, everybody. You're listening to the Radical Real Estate Podcast with Kuz and Kale. I'm Carl Kuzer with Lawyer's Title.
1: And I'm Kale Thomas, still broker, owner of Elite Properties Direct. That's a good thing. After all these years.
0: It's been a long time, Kale. How are you, buddy? Good, man. How are you? Doing great. Happy to be here. Me too. I'm happy to be here. I'm happier. Are you? I don't know. (laughs) It's good to be podcasting. I'm a regular amount of happy. Okay, we'll take that. Okay. So what are we going to talk about today?
1: Um, well, today I'm just going to try and make sure our, video, our audio is coming through here on the Facebook Live. It looks like it is. Yes. Hey, Jeff Perez. What's up there? JP. JP's JP. in the house. Jeffrey. David. Okay, so today, Radical Real Estate Podcast, what are we going to talk about today? Fear. Fear or or not
0: having fear. Right, and I prefer the latter. Acting without fear. Right. So, there's a lot of uh, anxiety and concern and ambiguity and confusion. Yeah. Not just in real estate, but in the world in general. No specifics, but politics and everything that goes around with it has a tendency to bleed over into other facets in our lives. And I just believe that uh, a lot of people are operating from a premise of fear right now. And I
1: don't like it. Yeah, no, I, I would say Jeff is listening while he's inputting his MLS listing. Nice. Congrats, Jeff. Job buddy. So yeah, I would say there's a definite change in the marketplace. And at least Um, I was sharing with you, I did a, um, poll, a recent marketing poll of my clients. So I put my past client database in Monkey and did a uh, poll and essentially the information I got out of that is most of my clients either think we are near a top or at a top or they, they're they unsure. Like They're not discounting the fact that we could be, they're just not sure. Literally one of my clients thought we were not at a top out of all that responded. So Not that I necessarily agree with the results, but what it does tell me is that there is a perception out there that we are at a top, that we are a
0: little fearful as a uh, country, maybe. Well, and that's the thing that is the crux of the matter is whether it's true or not, perception is reality. Yeah. Until that's the spell, that, that perception is changed, altered in some way with some overwhelming facts, evidence, or circumstances that would convince people otherwise.
1: Yeah, I would love to hear um, from those watching on Facebook right now what their opinion is of the marketplace, if, they, uh, if they're if they experiencing a little bit of nervousness, or if they are in the industry and they're experiencing their clients having a little bit of nervousness right now with the market. So... Um, Stock market's certainly been a little shaky lately. We had some pretty big down days the last couple of days. The VIX index, the fear index is up significantly.
0: So I think everyone's kind of ears are perked at least. But then to that, what, up 287 points today. So a good rally. And you and I talked about this off air. I'm glad that today happened in yep. terms of, I think the effect of going into the weekend with yet another down day or significantly down day would only breed more fear going into the new week. So seeing that that was up almost 300 points a day, maybe is a band-aid or uh, the panacea to, to correct the market starting next week. We will not know, but had it been a down day today significant, I think that would have bred more fear and probably a self-fulfilling prophecy of some sorts. So
1: I would argue that I'm more scared on the stock market side than I am the housing side. I would agree with that. Because simply put, the stock market has gone up multiples since, since we surpassed our all-time highs. Meaning, we went past all-time highs in the stock market years ago and haven't looked back. Right. Housing, at least in our area, we're still kind of trying to break the price point of 2008, and we haven't done it. And so therefore, if prices remained where they are right now, I don't necessarily think homes are super uber expensive, like no. the stock market is. Right. In my opinion.
0: And the index that we use, that you mentioned, that you introduced me to, the IYR, we were looking at it before the the podcast started, and where we are today, is still higher than where we began the year at. Granted, there has been a recent downward trend, but the overall trajectory is still upwards. Right. And I think that's positive.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, we're trending in the right direction. That's for sure. Right. And really, what kind of like what I like to think about in terms of owning a house, like I just share my own story. I'm a homeowner. I own a house with a thirty-year fixed mortgage. Okay. Um, I I bought in 2012, which was a different time. I get it. But that that aside, every year I'm paying down thousands and thousands of dollars on my house. So. Like it or not, I'm in a 30-year fixed mortgage. It's, it's, not an, it's not an interest-only product or any of the exotic stuff that we had before, right? And, but I'm forced to literally pay down at this point. It's like $8,500 a year, like it or not. It's like a forced savings. So I look at it like this. If my house goes up or goes down or whatever, in 10 years from now, I will have paid off another probably almost 90000 because keep in mind, not to get too complicated, but as time goes on, you actually pay more principal balance on your, on your loan. But I, so I'm going to save a lot of money in the next 10 years. Um, and I could go rent or I could keep paying my mortgage. And so at the end of 10 years, I might have 90 grand that I wouldn't have had had I rented. And so I look at it from that standpoint, like should you buy a house today, live in it for two years and then make a bunch of money? I can't tell you if that will happen. That may not happen. But could you buy a house today and live in it for 10 years and save money over and above renting? 100% without a doubt.
0: Absolutely. And that's something that we in our, our Catalyst Agent Network, a precursor to the masterminds that we've done, we've talked about how the our culture, American society, through 2004 through 2007, through the crash of 2008, the paradigm shifted and it went from where traditionally people used their home as a retirement vehicle, as a way to build wealth, and they turned it into an instantaneous cash machine and lost the idea of why home ownership is so key in that you build equity over time and ultimately, you pay off that 30-year mortgage. You have an asset that helps you in the golden years. And we got away from that. And you speak to that why we should be doing that. So uh, here's something I think you should be
1: fearful of. R- retiring with no money. <laughs> right. Like literally, that's the stuff we should be worried. We, we worry about all kinds of stuff during the day or during the year or whatever. But re- what you should really be worrying about is, especially like my generation and generations below me, right. is Social Security going to be around in Could, f- 50 years? Who knows? Or
0: And if it, it is around, around,
1: what version of it will live Exactly. On? Exactly. Are pensions going to have to be rerouted or um, refigured out for government employees at some point? Because we certainly aren't running the surplus of money that we're throwing off as a country. Right. I mean we can all agree we're going into debt more and more every Absolutely. day. Absolutely. Since and, this podcast and- started we probably lost
0: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> millions and millions of dollars. Right. No, that's that's an interesting point in in something we've shared in past podcasts too. And I don't know the exact figure but somewhere relatively small the average American depending on what survey you hear saves maybe $23,000 in their lifetime, which is, frankly, pathetic. So how are they going to retire if they don't own a home and are entirely reliant upon Social Security? So, I'm starting to see this
1: now, and it's elderly people now, right, that don't necessarily have a massive retirement are tapping into the home they own to have managed health care or to pay their medical bills or whatever right. it is. Yeah. That is... I, I guarantee you. Look in your own family tree. You know someone right now that's probably doing this exact thing. Absolutely. They're either on a reverse mortgage or they've sold the home and the kids have put them into managed health care. But without, imagine them without that home. Right. How could you pay five grand a month for managed health care had you not had a home to tap into? And well, I just think like this is going to be even more important going forward because we don't have you and I don't have this golden handshake at our job anymore where it's like ah. Oh, Hey Carl, you retired man. You're gonna get, you know, 150 grand for the rest of your life. Go, right. go golf everywhere, dude. Yeah,
0: those those jobs have all gone away, and the ones that are still intact, there's not any guarantee of solvency for those funds in the future. So yeah, you may have that golden handshake still. But I know people whose companies, whether it was public service or a private company, that got to the point where they were now drawing on said pension and it either wasn't there. Or it wasn't there to the degree that they had planned all those years for. And their life has been suddenly altered at the worst possible time.
1: Yeah. I mean, how scary is it to be 80, 85 and then run out of money?
0: What was that movie with uh, uh, Michael Caine and uh, uh, Morgan Freeman? and? Um... Uh, I know what you're talking about, but I didn't see it. <laughs> they, they go out and they rob the bank and all that. Yeah. Right. No, don't do that. <laughs> There's your financial advice. Yeah, yeah.
1: All right, Sounds, that's all we have for today.
0: <laughs> See you later.
1: But I think, I mean, I think that, so when people ask me, should I buy real estate? It's really, it depends on your goal. Should you buy real estate today to try to flip a home and make some money? And maybe if you get the right deal.
0: Well, it's um, going to be unique to your individual circumstances, your your uh Tolerance for risk, right. your 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 expertise. Cause let's be honest, when you buy a flip house and you know, having done a remodel or going through a remodel right now for myself, you know, dealing with contractors and estimating cost and budgeting for that and getting it all done on time, you know, that's not for the weak of heart, the right. <laughs> faint of heart. Right. I you know, so to say that anybody could just jump in and do that, there's no guarantee of success that it's gonna work out the way you penciled it out to either. So You know, I think that the bottom line is that real estate, if you just do the traditional model, which there's so much pushback on tradition and doing things the ways we've always done it in the past. But if you buy and hold a house, your risk is very minimal. The upside is, is, is still as strong as it ever was. And so
1: I think of this like my business. If I'm doing the things that are boring and mundane and routine, it's pr- I'm probably doing the right things. Right. And when you're buying a house on a 30-year fixed note and you're staying in that house for 10 years, you're doing something positive for for you and your family and your, your financial future. Because even if the housing market dips from here, but I stay in my house another 10 years, I'm going to pay down a significant amount. The, house, the
0: housing market would have to drop a lot to erase that from right. me. Like a lot. And here's the bottom line. You're going to be paying rent to somebody. Correct. So why not pay it to yourself?
1: Right. And at that point, in 10 years from now, I may have another 12 years or so to pay on my house. Right. I'll just pay the th- I mean, I'll just work on paying it off. Right. Because eventually it, it'll be paid off. And then if I really wanted to, I can rent it out. I have an asset that's paid off that's making me money. Right. And who knows what rents will be in the future, but I'm sure they'll be significantly more than they are now. They're not going down. So for me, I just share that because, like, for me, and part of that was dumb luck by me just buying a house because I thought that's what I was supposed to do, but it was one of the better moves that I ever made. And I've tried to
0: invest in a lot of different things. All right. Well, you are the, uh, was it Tasty Trades guy? I'm a guy. <laughs> now, what was that app you told me about? That, uh, oh, that's that Tasty Trades right there? Tasty Trades. Tasty Works. Tasty Works. Both. Tasty
1: Trades is a show. Tasty Works is their platform.
0: Ah, well, see, but that's the thing too, is so you have real estate, which it's pretty much autopilot. You, you buy a house, you finance the house, you right. make your payments, something like that to where people want to build wealth, but don't have the expertise or the right information or get emotional in making trades and then they lose their butt. You know. Yeah. It's the same thing in
1: trading, I think. You have to be boring. Uh, and you carry out this pl- this plan. And no matter what happens, no matter what motion comes over you, you just carry out the plan. Right. It's the same thing with running a real estate business. It's the same thing, I'm sure, with running any business. Right. You've got to stick to the plan and ignore the noise. And I think there's a lot of noise right now.
0: For, for sure. It was something I, I did a Facebook Live earlier this week, and you know, which ties back into the whole fear concept of everything that went on the last couple of weeks, politically speaking, and a lot of bickering and social media arguments and this and that. And there's just so much noise, per se, uh-huh. that people I would talk to who, who are apolitical, don't follow the news, don't really care about things, were feeling anxiety and and ill feelings and just an overall sense of foreboding pressing down on them as a result even though they don't pay attention and it's because of the noise because if you don't pay attention to it someone in your circle is paying attention to it and they'll make you pay attention and they'll yeah and it it rubs off on you all right so we're bumping up on our break
1: rock and roll is noise pollution (laughs) i remember that nice acdc reference All right, welcome back.
0: We're back, Radical Real Estate Podcast Part Do. Oh, you so French? Yeah. Hey, I have I have French relatives. Be careful. Oh, sorry. So They'll be very critical.
1: Uh, so what are we talking about? We're
0: talking about fear. Fear.
1: Inxiety. Fear in the marketplace. Yes. What does it mean for real estate? Does it? Should we be panicked?
0: No. Short answer. Game show's over. All right. Thank you. <laughs> no, but we'd like to, uh, you know, anybody out there in Facebook Live world, you know, if you have a, an opinion, please share it with us. And um, you know, I personally, here's here's the thing. I was thinking about this. I was about, about a month ago. I was having a conversation with a realtor, and they had experienced a downturn in her business. Had had a pretty good year to date thus far. This is going into the first of September or so. Right. And really concerned. It's like, man, things have changed. Things have shifted. I don't know what I'm doing. I, 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 or I don't know what to do. I'm doing all the right things, doing everything I've done, but just my pipeline has dried up. And I honestly believe this because I see it in my own business, but with everything going on, I think the market is truly trying to figure itself out right now. And I think at the end of this, whatever tunnel we come through everything's going to be fine because right now in my opinion aside from the seasonal slowdown that we inherently have come thanksgiving and christmas yes this is the worst it's going to get as the market is 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 figuring itself out things are adjusting people are getting used to a higher interest rate environment i think that and that plays to a part of what we're experiencing right now as well but once this all gets sorted out if you're a realtor right now, this is as bad as it's going to get. You make it through this, you're going to be fine. Just start doing what you know you need to do now to set yourself up for the first quarter of next year. Yep. I would argue I'd lay into it more. Yeah.
1: I would get, if you have more time, get out and market, get out and door knock. get out and do the things that you've said you were going to do, but you got too busy doing. Really takes a massive action. Because I think it's going to set you up nicely for the for the following year. And in reality, what's going to be different this April? I mean, still going to have the same president. Rates are can roughly be where they are now. Um, we know the April buying season's coming. Uh, I'm, I'm projecting that April will be strong again because there's no significant change coming yet. 2020 um, is an election year, uh, but that's a ways away. We still have two more springs to get through before that. That cycle hits.
0: Right. And if, in, my, in my opinion. And if spring repeats itself like we had this year. Spring's I mean, been strong. Exactly. For the last several years. I, and, I think there's a misperception in our industry that summer is the be all end all. But I would contend that spring, spring is yeah. the be all end all. Because every year, I mean, we had a, we had this, July was a perfect example. July, just things kind of fell off the table, so to speak. And why is that? People are finally out of school. You have 4th of July, people go away to places. You have everything that needs to get done summer-wise, sports, everything, before, well, now the kids are going back to school in the middle of August. So that's just compressed the time frame in which summer, as I make air quotes for those listening, is is in effect. Mm -hmm. So you have this compressed schedule. So everything gets crammed, in my opinion, in July, and real estate's an afterthought.
1: Here's my honest opinion, and I've said this on other things before, so uh, forgive me if you've heard this from me before, but I tell my clients that, look, no BS. I'm just going to give you my straight opinion on things from my production for the years I've been doing this. April 1st is the best time to list your house. if Statistically speaking, right? If you have the luxury of saying, I'm going to list it this specific time, do it April 1st. If you're going to buy a house, it's getting darn close to the good time, so I love November, December, January to buy a house. I like that. I like buying in that um, season. I think that May is a strong. Um, I'm sorry, March we start seeing some strength. April is just nuts for me usually. May is always a huge funding month. June is okay. July, by the time we hit July, it drops off. Um, because I think everyone that is planning on moving this coming year, they're going to get a jump start on it. They're going to do it before the school year gets out for the most part, so they can move at the beginning of summer, and then they're going to of, by the time Fourth of July hits. To me, there's a noticeable kind of settling in the market. So um, that's just that's just how it occurs for me. And that's how my statistics have played out over the years. And that's what I tell my clients. But so to flip that around, if you're looking to buy a house, I'd be out looking now. I would be pre approved now. Right. Uh, if you have buyer clients out there for the realtors, I would really be calling your buyer clients and go look. The best statistical chance we have to get a home into escrow at a good price in this market is going to be now until about January. So if something comes up and it's the right house, I would feel really good about writing an offer on that today from from this point forward.
0: Let's let's flip the switch then for our our colleagues in the real estate industry. Yeah. Get, getting back to okay, this is the worst this is going to get. Get through now, you're going to be fine. Okay, we've we've got that. We've decided that. What would you say to the agents who who yeah, I equate it to kind of like the person trying to find salvation. It's like, oh man, I do this and I do this and I do this. And I can't possibly go to heaven or whatever. You know, it's like I've heard old men say, "I can't. God will never forgive me for right. what are the things that I've done." Okay, equating that to real estate, what would you say to those agents who, oh, I don't have my marketing plan in effect, or I don't have the right. Uh, Database management, I don't have the right CRM, I don't have this, I don't have that. I have an answer for it, but as a broker, very successful broker at that, what would you tell those agents who who are in that ah stage? Like it's kind of uh, paralysis by analysis stage? Uh, of sorts, yeah. Or just the perfectionist mentality is like, okay, I got to have this this, this before I can act. I I got it. Perfection is the death of progress,
1: by the way. Amen. That's exactly what I was getting at. So I'd rather have a crummy CRM with half-ass emails going out (laughs) than no CRM and no emails going out. So, I mean, at least get something down, at least set aside 10 topics to have in an email drip campaign and find some sort of CRM to host that email drip campaign for you. There's a lot of them out there. And Tom Ferry I think says like the best CRM is the one you're going to use. Right. So if that's price shop for one, that's price that's going to help you out with price. If you're looking for features, like I really like contactually it's a little more expensive, but it's, it's, if it's my personality and my style, um, I've used Contactually, I've used Wise Agent. I've used Top Producer. They all do essentially the same thing once you get used to them. But do something. Start a start a video blog. Hire someone for ten bucks an hour to help you manage your social media. But be and be purposeful with what you're submitting out there. I'm a big believer in in helping people and getting useful content out to them. So if like I can I can shoot a one minute video and talk about the down down payment assistance programs and how how they can assist my first time home buyers. And I can propagate that out to the right audience I'm showing value there. And then if I can back that up with um, the benefits of getting pre-approved before you go looking for a home, I'm adding value there. And then if I can just keep piling on these informational, helpful videos and just think about it from the standpoint of your client, like your client doesn't want to be sold today on, on an appointment or putting in an offer. They want to know that you know what you're talking about. Then once you establish that, they're going to actually seek you out Mm -hmm. and be like, "Hey, man, I've seen. I really trust you in the realm of real estate. I've seen your content. Like, I, I need your opinion." You know, when you start getting those calls, is when you know it's all working. But um, we really, as agents, we really have to make a big effort to help people in this marketplace. And with technology, you can throw that uh, out to masses. And be helping thousands of people at once. Mm-hmm. So eventually, out of those thousands, people are raising their hand. Hey, I'm ready to go. Hey, hey, can you help me? A oh, strong point. And so, like don't the best kind of call to get is, hey, man, I know you're really busy, but um, do you have time to to uh, like work with my daughter? She's thinking about buying a house. Heck yeah.
0: Like that's the that's the call you want. Absolutely. All day. Now, to that, do you, Kale Thomas? Do you have a daily plan, a weekly plan, a monthly plan? Yes. Written down? Yes. Do you know how many people I come across that don't even have simple things like that written down? I mean, as as I've got my day planner here, and let's get to pages that I have written down. How do you operate? How can someone operate if they don't have things written down?
1: Um, they're they're just gonna be a little chaotic. Because I think of it like this: I'm an emotional human being, right? I have emotions that take me off course all day long. It's easy to get off course. Totally easy. So if I have a, because there's literally times in my day where I'm like, what am I doing? Right. And if I look back to my list, it's like, oh yeah. Like today, before you came in, I was like, what am I doing? And I worked on some stuff and then I set an alarm for myself because I knew prior to you coming in, I had to set up the equipment. I had to get the mics ready. I had to, you know, charge my phone. There there was so, I, I had to, and I had to keep looking back at the list to go, oh yeah, Carl's coming in. Oh, yeah, Carl's coming in. Because I forget. Because I'm human. Because I get caught up in like, you know, I'm working on my database where I get a call from someone. Ah, I got I to gotta set up a photo appointment for a listing. Ah, And then I start doing that, right? And then I'm like, oh, wait, wait, what was I doing over here? Marketing? Oh, yeah, Carl's coming in. So you got, you got to have a written plan where life will just take you off course so fast.
0: Amen, brother. And that's exactly the point I wanted to stress as we ended the show today. So thank you for that. Thank you. Thanks for watching, everybody. Again, Radical Real Estate
1: podcast at gmail.com. Check us out on iTunes. Let's do
0: this again sometime, Carl. Let's make this a regular thing. Thanks, everybody. See you guys. Bye.